0: Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D. Join us on Twitter at Cascade Hoops Talk. Also get your daily NAI news at CascadeHoopsTalk.com. Today we're joined by Bobby Hunter. It's to have him. Uh, Bobby grew up in Reno, played uh, high school basketball in Reno, attended Oregon Tech, redshirted his first year, and as a freshman, led Oregon Tech to their third national championship in 2012. Following the 2012 season, Bobby Hunter decided it was he had the opportunity to play uh, Division One ball. Uh, he went down to uh, Florida and played some uh, uh, JC ball, and then went to Illinois State and played the last two years of his college basketball there. I think you'll enjoy the interview with Bobby Hunter. Very nice guy, and he has a great story to tell. And we'll begin in thirty seconds.
1: Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D. Hey, today we have uh, Bobby Hunter. Young man played at uh, Oregon Tech, uh, won a national championship in 2012. Went ahead and played at uh, after that Santa Fe Junior College, uh, Florida. Averaged 25 points a game down there, and uh, went to Illinois State and played two years of NC2A Division One ball. So Bobby Hunter, you're well traveled. Uh, Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So you uh, you grew up in uh, Reno, Nevada. Uh, You went to uh, Bishop. And you're gonna to have to pronounce it for me again. Bishop Marone?
2: Bishop Minogue High School.
1: Bishop Minogue. Bishop Minogue, uh, a, um, yeah. I'll try not to say it again. <laughs> I don't want to butcher the name anymore. But you had a very good high school career, uh, but you had very few offers really coming out of high school.
2: Yeah, I, a lot of it was uh my size. I went to I went to a few um college recruiting Kind of recruiting camps, uh, I went to one at u s f um, and a few different ones that kind of they had guys who they were recruiting the top priority their you know their top ten recruits, and then they had some guys who were kind of on their second or third list of recruiting. I guess I went to those and I felt like I performed well, um, but again, they wanted the six three raw point guard rather than having a five ten, you know, skill skilled guard. So that was one of the things that was hurting me was my size. And so I didn't I didn't have any offers coming out of high school until probably right after graduation is when I got my first one from Oregon Tech.
1: So you were contacted by Oregon Tech, uh, you uh, ended up making the decision to go up to Klama Falls, uh, play for boy the legendary uh Danny Miles up there. You redshirted your first year. What was that like having a redshirt the first year and knowing you were probably a better ball player than a lot of the guys who were playing that year?
2: It was it was tough. I'm um, not really knowing much of the town and much of the program until I was actually till I actually got the phone call. It was a funny story. I was talking to Coach Myers and he called me and I said, I had no idea Klamath Falls, you know, existed in Oregon. And, you know, we're, we're laughing about it. And when I first got up there, just the, I guess, the pace of everything being, you know, being on a donut, being on your own, I think that has a big factor into how athletes prepare. And I think having that red shirt year to kind of get those athletes situated, I think it benefits them in the long run because then they're able to manage. They're able to manage their sports or academics better than just throwing them into the fire right away. And then a lot of them, they never really had that college experience. And now you're throwing in full-time practice, you know, all this other stuff into that mix. So I think that redshirt year, it was tough at the start. Um, but realizing the pieces that Coach Miles had coming in my redshirt freshman year, it was just like, okay, well, if he has these pieces coming in, then I need to do my best to get in shape and be prepared so when Joseph and Matt leave, I step right in and and don't miss a step. So it was just more changing that mindset from going to always playing, like, okay, now I've got some time to rest my body, develop, and then now the next season I can hit it hard.
1: And so then uh, your your redshirt freshman year, the the first year you played, uh, you played with some uh, very good ball players. I mean, Kyle Gomez out of Bly, uh, he was uh, a little out of control once in a while, but he was a, a very good athlete. But you also probably played with one of the best overall athletes in the NAI, uh, Bryant Stentman. Well, wow, that that guy was yeah. just an athlete, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, he was, uh, I want to say, the Catalan winner. Getting a chance to play with those guys and they being from around that area, that was also another easy transition because those guys are from that area. They could help me adjust to the culture and and what to expect coming from Danny Miles. Them being seniors and me coming in being a freshman, um, yeah, they really helped. And Kyle Gomez, he was our scrapper. Whenever we, whenever we needed yeah. that spark, we knew we could count on Gomez and kind of – you know, set that tone for us, whether it's diving in the stands for a loose ball, some type of hustle play, you know, getting scrappy on the ground with the opposing team. He always did something that kind of lit our fire, so it's always good to have him on our team. And I want
1: to ask, I want to ask about one more guy on that team, uh, the the old man, Scotty Riddle. I think he was 33 or something his, your freshman year.
2: Yeah, so Scotty, I, I caught him, I caught him pop, so... <laughs> he he kind of took me under he 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 took me under his wing. Uh, kind of the end of my freshman year, um, we started working out together, uh, shooting, and you know our class schedules kind of our was kind of mixed, so we were able to spend more time getting in the gym with one another. So I think that really helped with our chemistry on the floor, and Tim and I we were, were able to spend so much time off the floor that I think it really helped. And it came time to game time.
1: So your freshman year at Oregon Tech was kind of a dream year. Uh, You guys got to the national tournament. Uh, You ran the table. You ended up playing uh, Raleigh Massimino's Northwood team. Uh, You you beat them in the championship game. You scored 20 points in that game. Uh, You know, just talk a little bit about that season. It was your freshman season. You played over 32 minutes a game. You came very close to breaking Harvey Seabreeze single season scoring record actually. Uh but just talk a little bit about that season. That was kind of a dream season, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot of pressure from the fans um, you know, about winning it in two thousand four and two thousand eight. So we would we would hear it a lot. Oh, it's two thousand twelve, you know, we need another championship. So it was it was a the the feeling like the the town needed needed that feeling again. And coming in as a redshirt freshman and taking over that spot, uh, I felt like I was ready. And Coach Miles, he gave me the the green light to to play ball. Yeah, he had his system, but he he allowed me to play through his system. I didn't have to force anything. I didn't have to do anything that wasn't out of my game. So I think that's what that's what really helped that season. And before the season, I just I had goals. I had personal goals that I wanted to achieve, and I just kind of let those hard work, you know, moments kind of express myself throughout the season. Yeah, it was a dream season with the team we had. We had a lot of older guys in size and in age, so I think we were a lot mature than most teams expected us to be, um, and we just clicked. Uh, I, when I Last time I was down in Columbus, I had a chance to speak with um, the team. And I just told them the difference between our teams is we were so close. Uh, all of us that year, Austin, Jason Gamlin, Alex Zerbach, Fred Corpney, Josh Tylee, David Clark, uh, Brian, Kyle, you know, Big Kyle Waits, rest in peace to Big Nathan. Um, all of those guys, You we were just so close. And I think that's what helped us make that push to the national championship. And the guys that were on the team, uh, they allowed me to be me. They weren't, you know, oh he's a freshman, he shouldn't be averaging this much. It was just like they're like, okay, you wanna run, all right, well we'll get the rebound, you do all the running. That's fine. If you're you got the young leg, you know, that's fine with me. So I mean, we, we made it work and when we got back to the national tournament we just kind of had that flow. We had our ritual, our pregame rituals that all that we would always do, and just Danny Miles and Coach Kazan and Coach uh, DeVries and Coach Post. They did a they did a great job with scouting reports and always getting us prepared for the games. And so they got us prepared, and it was just our job to do the rest. So. I mean, it it made it it made it easy and that that season it was just it was it was a blessing come true. Uh to win it in two thousand twelve and have the fan base that represented us that year, I don't think it's been been that well sent. Um so I just you know, just thank the fans and, and yeah, rest in peace to Raleigh Massimino as well. Uh I saw he passed away about a year ago, a year and a half ago or so. But yeah, right. since that run to the national championship and and playing and playing against him, it was definitely two legendary coaches. So it was definitely an honor.
1: Uh, so Bobby, you you always had a you won the national championship at Oregon Tech. You always had a dream of playing Division One ball. You saw that opportunity, uh, so you decided to go to uh, Santa Fe Junior College. Now that was kind of a you had to kind of clear your record, right, to get be able to get into NC two A from NAI. Is that why you had yeah, to go to Santa so, Fe? Yeah,
2: and so some of the rules are if. I would have went, since I already used my red shirt, if I would have went to NCAA, I would have had to pretty much walk on since I've already used my red shirt. So it was just a lot of digging through the rules and seeing what was available without me losing a year since I've already lost my red shirt year. I didn't want to go go somewhere where I had to walk on, wait, you know, potentially waste another year, and then my senior year try and go somewhere. Most colleges aren't going to sign a senior unless it's a graduate, a graduate transfer. Um, So it was just more about looking, digging through the rule book and found out that if if I went JUCO, um, I save a year, I can play my credit transfer, I save a year, and I can go through that whole recruiting process, again, that I didn't get the experience um, out of high school. And that experience was definitely, it was a tough decision, but it was, uh, to me, it was something that had to be done. And it was just, you know, I came in my first year and I achieved my goals. Uh, National Championship, being the best player in the conference, you know, hardest work on the team, you know, all these things were my goals. And I felt like if I achieved those things, then I should have that kind of not necessarily right, but just kind of have that opportunity to play at the next level, and so uh, Santa Fe offered me that chance because of what I'd done at Oregon Tech, and my tennis transferred in um, the right way.
1: And then I should have mentioned uh, I I was uh, that that freshman season. Not only did you win a national championship, but uh, you were first team All American. Uh, you're uh, I believe you were a Cascade Conference Player of the Year, and I believe you were yes. a National Player of the Year as well as a freshman. Yes so you you look yeah. at that obviously, and you say, "Okay, let's get this to the next level." You ended up at at Santa Fe. your whole goal at Santa Fe was to get noticed right that was yeah. that was the whole and goal to get noticed and that was,
2: that was the whole purpose was to get noticed, and the juco route is just' it's pretty much every man for himself is kind of what I learned going through that circuit. Cause everybody who's gone there, that's what their goal is is to try to get to the next level. And so it was, it was tough going from a team oriented organization to going to a junior college where, yeah, it's every man for itself. And, you know, everybody's trying to go out and get theirs. Um, so in, in that sense, in that sense, I just kind of it's like, well, this is an opportunity for me to showcase what I need to do in order to get to the next level. So it it was in a way, it's like, okay, well now now that I'm here, I gotta be a little a little selfish, if that makes sense. I gotta right. go out and and put up these numbers um, that these coaches are looking for in order for me to get in order for me to get seen.
1: But you did get the offers. You had uh, several offers, actually. Uh, and uh, what was it about Illinois State that drew you to? That's the that's where I want to go play D1 ball.
2: Uh, it was school. Uh, my again, my goal was if I was going to play college basketball, my goal was to get through college before I made any decisions about playing overseas. Um, so my thing was just mainly where can I go. And get a good education. Where with, since I transferred from NAIA to Santa Fe, not to Division One, a lot of it was credit. So I go somewhere where I got to take a full load and be, you know, be doing more score. Do I go somewhere where I can have my credit and still put a lot of time into basketball? And it was the right program. I got along with the coaches. It was just the right fit um, at the time.
1: So you uh, you get to uh, Illinois State, and your junior year, uh, you started, right? You started your junior year at Illinois State. Bobby, talk to me about that first time you ran out of the tunnel playing uh, D1 ball, that big, huge stadium. You dreamed it all your life. I mean, what did that feel like?
2: Like you said, it was just a dream come true, uh, running under, out of that tunnel and then seeing all the fans and red and white and – you know them screaming. It was just the feeling was just. It was unreal. It was nothing like what I dreamed of. It was just. It exceeded those expectations. And it kind of. It gave me that. You know that confidence and that. You know sense like. You know, good job. What you did. You know the sacrifices you made. It. It paid off. You know, not many people can say. Hey, I went through. I went to an N A I school and juco out, and then I went and played at the next level and, and be successful. A lot of people after one or two moves, they're just kind of, you know, they give up on the situation. So just kind of yeah. running out of that tunnel just gave me that assurance. Like if I want to do anything, you know, it's, is going to be, is going to be a grind. It's going to be a grind and it's not going
1: to be easy. Yeah. You know, uh, you make a good point because uh, the guys who go to several schools, isn't that rare, uh, but usually they end up getting, the getting the term knock around. And knock-around usually isn't a – it's usually not a positive term. It means a guy who's tried several different routes and he just hasn't stuck. Uh, but in your case, yeah, uh, it seemed like every route you took was another step up and another piece of your dream. Uh, you did move, but you were anything but a knock-around. Uh, you were a guy who was achieving your dream.
2: And I, I think that comes – because I was moving – I was moving level. I was moving, I guess – Going from NAIA to JUCO is not really moving up levels, but I wasn't when I was transferring. I wasn't staying in the same division. A lot of athletes they'll transfer from one JUCO to another JUCO, and then it's like, well, what was the you know? It's kind of like you're just you're you're wasting time going from JUCO to JUCO. With my transfers, I was going to my next step. Like you said, my my next move that transfer I was building that next stepping stone. To get where I wanted to go, and that was Division One. So it was just kind of yeah, they they give up and they get they get caught in trying to get there, trying to get to the Division One, but they don't realize how should I say it the right the right steps to go about it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, you know a lot of times, Bobby, what you see is guys will end up taking a Division One scholarship, really wasn't what they dreamed of. Then they'll step back either to JUCO or NAI. And then they get stuck in that, what I call that knock-around mode, where they just have a hard time finding a home. Uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, as you said, you were, you were stepping up levels. You were playing toward a definite dream. So, so talk about your time at uh, Illinois State. Uh, just generally talk about what it was like. And I'm real curious, like two or three moments that will just stick with you forever from Illinois State.
2: Um... I think it's the time two or three moments. So the first one we did a lot of work in the community. Um and I met I met a very special kid named Max and we we've been we've had a bond since and yeah, we haven't talked as much since I moved away, but we still we still keep in contact and that's right and I see him I see him grow up. Uh, it was just it's called Easter Sales. It's a community event that they had at Illinois State on campus with kids that have disabilities. Um, and each athlete is partnered with a family to walk in the event. And, you know, some kids are there because they have to, and some are there to actually, when I say some, I, I mean the athletes. So it's um some athletes that are there because it's like, okay, this really means something to me and some just there because Coach made us do this event. Um right. And I was one of those guys that it was like, okay, I love kids. This is my chance to give, give back. Even though it's not the community I current, that I was raised in, this is the community, community that I'm currently in now. Um, so I that was just kind of my chance to, to give back and be thankful for Illinois State and giving me that opportunity. So it was just one Working, working in the, um, working in the community, and then the, probably the second one that'll stick with me, I guess it was my junior year. We had we had eight champs. We had I think it was like eight chancellors all from JUCO, and then we had I think it was like three or four. We had three or four. Um, we had three or four kids right out of high school, and I remember coach just saying. No one has starting spots. Um, All five spots are open, but I'm looking for a defensive stopper. And I just kind of checked that. I was like, we had some guys that are on our team that could score the ball on offense, but none that were really defensively sound. So I was like, okay, well, that might be my calling. If I want that starting spot, I'm going to be the lockdown defender. And then that's kind of just just how how it started. Um, after that moment I was just like every day in practice, you know, I'm winning the sprint. Um, you know, just being that vocal and and nonverbal leader that I've always been and that, that earned me, you know, team captain my junior year, uh all defensive team from the team, uh, led to different awards just within the team by, you know, that one comment, I just I need somebody to step up and be a lockdown defender. Once I okay. did that, I mean, I had a nice spot um in the starting lineup just by being a lockdown defender.
1: So, Bobby, what did uh what did life after Illinois State look like for you? What did you What did you do after school?
2: After I went and played, uh, there's a um, big kind of tour things for different for athletes to get exposure to go play overseas. Uh, so, I was fortunate enough to get offer to go play for one of those teams and we traveled um we traveled all through we traveled all through china and played to get that exposure um and so right after i moved to portland worked out trained all summer went out there to china and then things didn't things didn't work out how i i'd like them to um but you know that's a part of that's a part of life so I came back to Reno and got involved with coaching. I went back to coaching the youth program that I played for, and then that the coaching just evolved into you know, the personal training, and then now I'm at where I have my own basketball training business. Um, so that's what I'm doing back in Reno now. So I've been doing that the last three years i coaching basketball, but my training business the last year and a half.
1: So I want, Bobby, I wanted to ask you about that. So I want you to talk more about your basketball training business. So, uh, you know, talk about where you do it, who you who's the, tar- the, you know, the target audience and what can young people expect to learn uh, from uh, uh, working with you?
2: My my audience is anybody who wants to, to learn the fundamentals of basketball. I don't try to cap it off at, at A's group. Um, I offer my services to anybody who wants to learn. And what kids should expect at, at my camp is to be pushed to the max. They're going to learn, you know, a lot of work, hard stuff, but it's all stuff that helps them become better athlete. It's a, it's a small things that, that I think the kids fail to to really focus on. And I think that's why some careers are cut short. It's like, well, if you did this, these little small things, it would have kept building for that big thing. But the small things are missed, so now it's it's kind of hard to build that player, you know, he's has a year of college if he's already missed those, you know, those little fundamentals. So my thing is just keeping the kids, simple layups, right and left hand, left hand reverse, jump stop, handling the ball. I feel like that's really, uh, I should say, taken for granted because the way the game is now, everybody wants to shoot the three ball. And so a yeah. lot of the kids don't focus on the other stuff. They just want to shoot. And so it's like, well, if if we have a whole bunch of guys that just want to shoot up like basketball is going to be tough because now you're fighting a million other people for a spot. But imagine if you could shoot the ball and you play defense. How many people do you know that are really good shooters and that can play defense? So I just try to get the kids to understand that there's so much more to basketball than just being able to shoot. And that's why I named my training business MTG Academy, which stands for more to the game, meaning there's more to the game of basketball than just shooting. You got to be in shape, you got to have footwork. You gotta communicate, you gotta know the basketball terminology um so I think it's just there's there's a lot of that that I think kids are missing out in this generation that I think where I've been in my age, I'm still in the recent era of basketball, and I can relate to the kids, so I feel like that's one of the things that really helps me connect with the kids is I'm not you know twenty years out of basketball. You know, I'm five I'm five years out of basketball and I still have that connection with the basketball world, whether it's coaches from uh the Missouri Valley conference where I played at Illinois State, or whether it's uh Coach Maurer um from Santa Fe, out at the National Juco level, out of Games of Florida, or whether it's uh Jason Partner or, or coach or, or coach Miles from Oregon Tech, which I have connects with numerous coaches um, when I played, I keep in contact with them. They're always asking me about players in in my area. So it's just kind of the world's revolving, um, and it's kind of working its, you know, working its things. I've played against these coaches. Now I'm trying to help develop these players to go play for these coaches that used to coach against me, because they're still in, you know, coaching, you know, at the different levels. So... I think that's just, also, that's that's my goal.
1: It's it's also an opportunity for young people to learn these skills from somebody who had to claw their way up to the the top and play at many different levels. Uh, yes, it's a, yes. It's a great opportunity to hear it right from the. It's one thing to hear theory, but it's another thing to uh, learn it from a, a guy who had to, uh, like you just said at Illinois State, you found you could always shoot the ball, but you found your end was to be able to uh, become a a top stopper for them uh you were yes. willing to do the hard work yep, so Bobby, tell us where your where your uh m t g clinics are, how people could get a hold of you. What is your contact information
2: My contact info my cell phone number is area code nine one six seventy five two six two zero five, and my email is b at the letter N, the letter V, redbirds.com, and they can find information about my one-on-one training, my small group training, my camp. Uh, my next camp, my next big one is in Yakima, Washington, in June. Uh, so I kind of update my the website right now. It's com, but it's under reconstruction to be named NTG Academy. So I'm in the process of kind of switching everything, everything around. But yeah, I, I have Instagram, uh, Facebook. You can find me at Bobby Hunter. I use both of my my real name for both of them, and I have videos, pictures of all my camps, kids, um, videos of everything. Uh, so that's one way to to contact me. And yeah,
1: well, absolutely, uh, Bobby. What we'll do is in the description of this show on the podcast. We will, uh, we'll get that information out. Uh, we'll also do an article, and Bobby, I'll get a hold of you later. We'll get some information. I'll do an article. We'll put it in Cascade Hoops daily uh, so that people can all, uh, print that out and save it. Uh, I would encourage if you have a, a youngster in your family uh, that wants to learn, you know, what it's going to take to play basketball at the next level, uh, you couldn't find a better guy than uh, Bobby Hunter because this is the guy who had to scrap his way, and he scrapped his way right to the top. Uh, So I would, I would encourage families. This is, if you're looking for somebody to to help your young person, this is the guy, you know, Bobby, I really appreciate you you giving me the time. I want to ask you, I want to ask you about uh, one more. Uh, I know you've seen Mitchell Fink play Mitchell Fink just passed 800 assists. Uh, He's close to 2000 points. Uh, I don't think people understand how rare that is for somebody to uh, achieve that could distribute the ball at that level at, you know, Greg Anthony levels and uh, score the ball at that level. I know you've seen Mitchell think. Can you just talk about it for a minute? Guys,
2: guys like that don't come around very often, and it's just knowing the game, just having a feel, and it, that comes with lots of hours in the gym. You can tell he he works on his game and he wants to get every everybody involved. And like we talked about earlier, it's like, yeah, you can reach those milestones when you stick it out and not bump around. And so he didn't bump around. And so he was able to achieve those records because he stuck with it and he, and he grinded it out. So that's just one thing watching him play. It's like, he has some fight in him. Yeah. He's undersized and, you know, not that great of athletic ability, especially around the rim. Um, but he, he finds other ways to make up for that. And so that, I think that's one thing. If you're not tall, there's other ways to make up for that height. If you're not athletic, there's other ways to make up for that athleticism. And that's simply, you know, those fundamentals and simple skills we talked about. Uh, kids have those simple skills. They're going to pass those kids who are, who are more athletic. Because the more athletic kids are just relying on their athleticism rather than focusing on the details. It's like if those athletic kids put in time with the details and combine the athleticism, man, there can be those kids, it would be, it'd be hard to stop. But it's like kids want one or the other. It's hard to find those guys that have both. But, yeah, just watching him play the times that I've been down there, I like his game. I like the fight. And he he steps into that role of being, you know, the Oregon Tech All-American playing guard. Um, he stepped in and fulfilled that role, you know, to a T. Um, so it, it's good, to, you know, to kind of see that role keep getting filled each each year. Um, so that's, that's always a good sign.
1: Uh, there have been some great ones at Oregon Tech. Uh, but he also, you know, like you, he was unrecruited. I, I just. I love that under underdog to greatness story. You know, just like you, a uh, first-team All-American, un, unrecruited. Very similar stories. You took a bit, little bit different route, but uh, similar stories overachieving. Bobby, yep. uh, one more time, give your phone number. Our phone
2: number is 916-752-6305. And you can call text me uh, anytime. I do camps in Washington, Klamath Falls, Reno, um, I'm trying to touch the Sacramento area. So if anybody knows of any cities that need basketball clinics to kind of bring the basketball community together, please contact me. Um, I will do anything at my best to get out there and help those communities.
1: Well, Bobby Hunter, thank you a lot for uh, giving me the time. Uh, you and I had to do this. I'm I'm on the road. You're on the road. So uh, the the quality might not have been as good as as we could have possibly got it, but uh, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, being on the show, Bobby.
2: No problem. Thank you for having me, and I look I look forward look forward to more to more talks and 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 getting getting back into the climate community. So thanks for having me, and look forward to speaking to you again.